wondering where I got this car from, this is how they do it where I came from. All right, we're celebrating diversity. We're celebrating a nation that is so diverse and yet is so blessed. And our strength and our blessing is invariably in our diversity. And that's what we're looking into this morning. And I'm trusting God that God will use this morning's message to bless someone in this service and someone watching online. By the way, it's the first day of the month of October. So it's also in order to say Happy New Month. And I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor Happy New Month. All right, so let me, let me get down to business so I can pray and prophesy very well. Let me put this one aside. Yeah, praise God. So it's a new month. And I believe in the name of Jesus that in the month of October, every day will be a plus for you. Amen. That you will enjoy unusual open heavens in October. Amen. That God will renew your strength this month of October. Wherever there has been weariness and weakness, I prophesy strength. In the name of the Lord Jesus. If there's anyone who has been sinking down a deep hole, I decree you enjoy divine elevation. In the month of October, my God will lift up your head. You will rise again in the name of Jesus. Wherever sickness has prevailed, I decree as you come into October... The son of righteousness is arising with healing in his wings for you. So enjoy healing in the month of October. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I decree that the last quarter of this year, you will enjoy favor like never before. Doors that have been shut will be open supernaturally. And your result, this last quarter of this year, will supersede everything you have seen this year. Somebody here this morning, I prophesy over your life, you are finishing strong. I say you are finishing 2017 strong. Stronger than you have ever thought. You are marching into 2018 with great strength. I bind the spirit of discouragement, it will not be able to touch you again. Wherever there has been gloominess, I prophesy the oil of joy today. You shall no longer cry. If you shed tears, it shall be tears of joy. I stand against the spirit of death and destruction. It will not come near you. Nothing that God has put in your hand will be destroyed in the month of October. My God will give you peace in all of your ways. Every morning, every night you have a new song. In the name of the Lord Jesus, receive a song of joy. A song of celebration. In the name of Jesus, the work of your hand prosper like never before. My God visits you on a daily basis. Somebody is walking out of confusion. You are walking into divine direction. Enjoy new ideas. Ideas that will launch you to a new level. Enjoy new relationships. Relationships that will lead, lead to your uplifting. Nothing around you will remain down. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And we declare in the month of October, Nigeria enjoys peace. In the name of Jesus. Peace within our borders. Prosperity in our land. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody who believes, how they believe in Amen.
Come on, somebody celebrate Jesus today. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Our God is still alive and well and doing miracles in the midst of his people. The word of the Lord stands sure. The Bible says the flower will, 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 will fade and the grass will wither. But the word of God abides forever. In the month of October, the word will come to pass in your life. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. This morning we're sharing from the word of God. and I've titled this message, Tribes, One Family Under God. One Family Under God. As we discuss diversity, I wanted to open your hearts this morning to receive of the word of God. Believing that God will unite this nation through my effort and through your own effort. And that we are all ambassadors of Christ everywhere that God has planted us. As instruments of influence. God wants to spread the kingdom through us. So I'm going to be looking through kingdom principles that undergirds the subject of diversity. And uh, because we have been discussing relationships all through this month, I'm also going to be breezing through this from a standpoint of building relationships that will build Nigeria, having a mind that uh, diversity is already part of all the relationships that we build, and God wants us to, uh, you know, to face this with a kingdom mindset. Praise God. Genesis 49, Genesis 49, and I will read just one verse of the scripture, just one verse of the scripture, but by way of foundation. Genesis 49 um, is a chapter of the Bible that discussed the blessings that Jacob released upon the 12 tribes of Israel just before he departed. So the Bible says in verse 1 of Genesis 29, uh, Genesis 49, that when uh, Jacob was full of age and was about to leave, in verse 2 it says, he gathered all his children together. So gather together and hear you sons of Jacob and listen to Israel your father. And he said, I'm going to tell you what will be for you in the last days. Uh, uh, by that way, he was able not only to point out their mistakes and weaknesses to them as individual tribes, but he leveraged that opportunity also to speak a blessing upon the individual tribes of Israel. So he started to bless them. And he started from, from Reuben, who happened to be the firstborn. He pointed out the weaknesses of Reuben. Reuben lacked self-control. But he pointed out the value proposition of Reuben. So in verse 3, you see there, he said, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. That's the value proposition of Reuben. Reuben has his weaknesses, because no tribe is perfect. Lack of self-control. He said, unstable as water, you shall not excel. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it, and he went up to my couch. If you have read your Bible very well, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, slept with one of Jacob's concubines. Even at old age, Jacob did not forget. Yeah, Jacob did not forget. Jacob did not He mentioned it, but what I'm saying was that before he mentioned the, 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 the misgivings that he had towards Reuben, and the witnesses of Reuben, he celebrated Reuben's strength. He called the same Reuben the excellence of, of dignity. He called the same Reuben... Uh, um, can you give me that scripture again? Uh, verse 3. Quickly, quickly. Somebody help me preach this morning. Quickly. Verse 3. He said, The beginning of my strength, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. When you go all the way, you read about all the different tribes in Israel. 
You read about like, the tribe of Dan, Naphtali. You read about Asher. You read about the blessings that he pronounced upon Joseph. And for us as New Testament Jews, who are under the covenant of Abraham, every blessing pronounced in Genesis 49 belong, uh, belongs to us. Yeah. We can appropriate all of them together. But this is where I'm going. When you get to verse 28 of the same chapter 49 of the book of Genesis, Jacob had this to say. Uh, okay. The scripture has this to say. He said, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. Somebody say amen to that. That means there will be many tribes, one family, one nation, and each tribe is blessed with his own blessing. Can I get an amen to that? Each tribe is blessed with his own blessing. Can you please leave that scripture on, on the screen for me, please? Yeah. Each tribe is blessed with his own blessing. Can you help me look at your neighbor and say, I have my own blessing? Yeah. Look at somebody and say, We have our own blessing. Glory be to Jesus. From whatever part of Nigeria you're from, or whatever part of the world you're from this morning, I want you to understand something. As we celebrate uh, the independence and anniversary of our nation, our our nationhood, I I want you to know that our nation, Nigeria, where we belong and where I'm preaching from this morning, is blessed with unusual diversity. And the strength of our nation is in our diversity, our number and our diversity. And the Bible says, Taking a cue from Israel, each tribe is blessed with his own blessing. Jacob, the father of all Israel, looked at each tribe and pronounced their blessing on them. We live in a time and an age where we're dealing with serious tribal bigotry. Ethnic differences. Diversity is tearing us apart rather than we celebrating the strength of diversity. In families, sometimes we allow diversity to break us apart and to stretch the relationships that we have. Nothing can be further from the truth. God enjoys diversity. He loves unity. Yeah, He loves unity. And each tribe as a blessing. Each people as a blessing. And all of us need to understand it as a scriptural principle that we are all blessed and we have unique blessings. Really unique blessings. That's what God has in mind for us. Psalm 139, when you read from verse 1, the Bible says, how beautiful, how wonderful when brothers walk together, when brothers connect. Yeah. Says like the hall that is poured upon the head of Aaron, the priest, running down the head of his garment. It's like the dew of Hammon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands his blessing, life forevermore. In verse 3, there was talking, you know, I researched verse 3. And why he mentioned there, the dew of Hammon descending upon the mountains of Zion is a location. It sounds poetic, but it's not about the poetry. 
It's about the beauty of a particular location. So what the scripture is saying here is that when God sees togetherness and unity, he sees beauty. And the psalmist wrote here, based on what he has seen as the epitome of beauty. Yeah. The dew upon Hammon and how it becomes like a waterfall and it falls down the mountains of Zion. And it's just breathtaking beauty. So in writing this psalm, the psalmist wrote on the premise of what's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen before. That's what I'm comparing it to. When God sees unity, this is what he's seeing. He's seeing beauty. Somebody see here this morning. Yeah, that's what God is seeing. Beauty. Utmost beauty. The epitome of beauty. That's why you should know that any time you lend your voice to unity, whether in your family, at work, you know, as a nation, you are lending your voice to what gladdens the heart of God. God wants to command his blessing in that place. In the place where diversity is celebrated. And it's not allowed to tear, tear us apart. So marriage and family form the foundation of a nation. Marriage and family is what forms the foundation of a nation. But we need to understand this. That even at the foundational level of our nation, which is marriage and family, every relationship will deal with some measure of diversity. We have been discussing relationships all through this month. And I'm coming from that angle to address the issue of diversity. One tribe, I mean many tribes, but one family under God. That's what God sees. Every relationship would deal with some measure of diversity. So apart from racial diversity, uh, uh, there will be diversity in terms of background, diversity in terms of behavior. Even within the same family, there will be diversities of personality and temperament and idiosyncrasies. And we all need to celebrate and accept it as God's gift God's gift in the same ethnic group, in the same tribe. There's still diversity. I'm from southwest Nigeria. The Yoruba tribe. But within our tribe, growing up, my dad still told me, don't marry from this part of, not Nigeria, this part of Yoruba land. And he said it like a monthly, it was a monthly theme in our family. Like I've said before, I came from a polygamous background. So even one of the places where my dad said we should not marry, he already married one wife from there. (laughs) And maybe because he's not enjoying his marriage with that, he's warning us. And one person's experience cannot negate the future of another person. I hope you understand what I'm saying. No, yeah. Glory be to Jesus. So blending our differences will not always be easy. It will not always be easy to blend our differences. We have established the fact that God commands his blessings when you you see differences well blended and diversity is well managed. But it's not an easy task. It's not an easy task. When we talk about relationship, for instance, how how easy is it for you to put two bodies together and and over time expect that they will join and be perfectly fitted together? A few weeks ago, you know, my daughter had a cut. It was a bit of a deep cut in her arm. Uh, she was doing some funny things with a new knife. And as you know, new knives don't know uh, the owner of the house, you know. Uh, if, you, if you misbehave, it will cut you, you know. 
apparently the knife had, uh, even the, the, our, our help at home had been caught by the same knife. So if she had minded herself as a younger person, if knife has caught an older person, you should behave yourself around the knife. The knife is still very new and sharp. Cut a long story short, she caught herself. And I discovered, you know, I think around uh, past uh, nine that night, and by the time I looked at it, I said, this is a deep cut. And I took her to the hospital with my wife, and they, uh, they, they gave her some stitches, about three, you know. And um, yesterday, I was just, you know, hanging out with them. And, you know, we're just starting, and she showed me a hand. And she said, Dad, this thing has now healed. You know, they've removed the stitches and all that. Uh, and I can stretch my hand, but I still feel, feel a bit of strain inside. And she said, in our only two wisdom, it means that the outside is now healed, but the inside is still healing. <laughs> so, that is flesh of the same body that is taking time like that to solidify together when something pulls it apart. Now, imagine what it takes for two external bodies to establish, you know, a firm joining together. It will definitely take a lifetime. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. It will take a lifetime. It will take a lifetime because we have rough patches around our differences uh, uh, which stem from our background, our personality, you know, not, I, I said in the first service, uh, um, you know, my first message ever on relationship uh, uh, was about irreconcilable differences. I couldn't understand it. Yeah. When people end their relationships and they're looking for a reason or they want to end, they look for a very, very, I don't, I don't want, I mean, I don't know the right word to use, but it's simply like a very useless reason. To say that this relationship is going apart because of irreconcilable. De- See, a man and a woman, from the get-go, they have irreconcilable differences. Yeah. A man can never behave and reason like a woman. We will have two different points of views about certain issues. A man is a man. You will have to change all his internal organs and everything inside him to make him a woman. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah, to make him a woman. So, the irreconcilable differences are already there. We need to recognize it, celebrate it, accept it, and let it have its right of way. If not, we'll always find them uh, the right excuses to destroy what God is trying to build. A man does not really think like a woman. A woman does not think like a man. When my wife says certain things or observes certain things, I just remind myself she is not me. So for me to be expecting that she will see it exactly the same way is foolishness. Where I'm coming from, where she's coming from, the things that she has been used to, the schools that she went, the friendships that she has enjoyed, they are different from mine. I've had some knucklehead friends. And I've had great friends too. And they've taught me silly things and good things. And all of them made me who I am. Plus the word of God that is my daily bread. So everything joined is what we are seeing today. So there's no way I can be exactly like you. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There's no way I can be exactly like you. 
So in a relationship, you will have serious diversities. Serious diversities. Very serious ones. Yeah. So how you manage diversity in the home cascades to how you manage it outside the home and in our nation as a whole. When we mismanage our diversities at home, we will mismanage it at work. We will mismanage it when we have opportunity to serve on teams, on boards, and make decisions that will affect people's lives. Our, our, our lenses will be covered by tribal, you know, bigotry, covered by things that we've had on our minds about different... Some people today can never go into business with people from a, a different part of the country. Yeah, it's that bad. Some of them, just based on what they have heard, they have not experienced anything. It's just what they've heard. Some people have experienced it, and one experience should not determine the rest of your life. I, cu- I couldn't get an amen to that. <laughs> so how do you handle traditional differences, issues around parental consent, the bias of language, you know, and all that, and raising children together, even when you're from different parts of the country? Some people have looked at all these issues and they have concluded it is better to marry only from your part of the country. Uh, One of our pastors even gave me uh, the experience that he had with his parents when he was about to get married. His mom called him to a corner and said, boy, don't bring a woman into this house that is not from our part of the country. If not, you will not have my blessing. You know that's what they used to... Uh, you will not have my blessing. And they, then she went for that to say that uh, even in the Bible, you know every time people say even in the Bible, they are looking for something to justify what they have made up their mind on. So even in the Bible, then the Bible says that people should marry from their tribe. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> when people say, like I said, even in the Bible, watch out what they are going to say next. If you are not knowledgeable, according to the scriptures, they will bamboozle you. Somebody once looked at me, at me, me and said, even in the Bible, the Bible says, everyone help those who help themselves. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, which chapter and verse? Because I think I've been reading this Bible for quite a while. There's nothing like that in the Bible. Yeah. Nothing like that at all. So let's look into the scriptures. So doesn't the Bible warn us against crossing tribal and racial lines? I want to make, I'm going to give an explanation today so that we can all clear it. Young and old alike. Whether you have, I mean, you have kids already that are getting married or you are the one getting married. So you need to understand what the Bible is saying about this. In the Old Testament, the admonition was based on the covenant. So look at this. Genesis 24, when we read verse 2, 3, and 4. Here, Abraham was sending his chief servant to look for a wife for Isaac. Many people quote this part of the scripture to say that people should not do intertribal marriage. I want to explain. So Abraham said to the oldest servant, verse 2 of Genesis 24, Abraham said to 
the older servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my tie, and I will make you swear to the law by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the heart, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son, Isaac. Somebody will read this and say, even the father of faith, Abraham, you know, made sure, I mean, he, he was sure that his son married within the family. What Abraham was dealing with here is not trial, it's covenant. It's covenant. In Abraham's days, if you are not a Jew, Notwithstanding where you came from, you are a Gentile. Gentile simply means anyone that is outside of the covenant. Not tribes. Outside of the covenant. So, Abraham was, you know, strongly advocating here and insisting that the wife be brought, be found for Isaac within the covenant. As at which time, God had a covenant only with Abraham and his family. And that covenant became, you know, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then it became a whole nation premised on Jacob, which we call Israel. When Jesus came, what Jesus did was broke down the wall of separation that is between the Jews and the Gentiles. Abraham then became the father of everyone that will come to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen to that? So, that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, 15, and 16, the writer of the book of 2 Corinthians, the great apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, had this to say about the same subject matter. So in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Can you see that? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord as Christ with Belial? Or what part as a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement as the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Somebody say amen to that. What he was saying here is marry under the covenant. Marry someone that has a covenant with God. Notwithstanding what part of the world they came from. Notwithstanding what part of Nigeria they came from. So if you already have adults at home as children, or you're a guardian or mentor to adults, please, let's take away the ethnic and tribal bigotry. And focus on the fact that God wants us to marry under the covenant. The diversity that we have in ethnicity, you know, in, in, in tribalism, all that is what God wants to se- celebrate as he brings people together. Let's not walk outside of God's will for our lives. Don't close your mind to the possibility of being blessed by people of a different tribe or race. Never. Don't close your mind. Whether in marriage, 
in business, in life, don't ever close your mind. Don't say this person is uh, like we say in this part of the world, you know, your back speaking people are called Mbati. Uh, people from the east are called Mna. I don't know what they call the other people. Yeah. But at least I know those two. They say, don't bring Omona to this house. You are a Christian. First and foremost. Your greatest sense of identity should not be that you are Alsa or Yoruba or anything, but that you have been bought with a price, which is the blood of the sinless son of God, Jesus Christ. That's my primary source of identity. That's why the scripture says you have God, little children, and you have overcome them. He didn't say you are from the north, little children, and you have overcome them. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Neither do you say you are from the east, little children, and you have overcome them. The basis of living the overcomer's life, the victorious life in Christ Jesus, is the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that the blood of Jesus has brought us together and made us one in Christ, not where we came from. Is somebody sitting with me today? I said, are you still here? Extremely important. Let me read the scripture for us. Uh, um, Ephesians chapter 2. When you read from verse 14 and 15. Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. Let's read from the New Living Translation first. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles in one people. When in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Yeah. You know, I spoke about the Jews and Gentiles. People who are the covenant with God and people who are out of covenant. When Jesus came, he brought a new covenant. In the new covenant, when you come to God through Jesus Christ, Knows no ethnicity, no, you know, racial, you know, separation, and nothing like that. One, one. In Christ, we are one. I wish and I pray that those of us Christians will leave church, go into our neighborhoods, go into our businesses, our offices, sit on a board without tribal bigotry. A brother in this church once shared an experience with me. How he left his job, resigned a job, without the hope of even getting another one because he was choked by tribal bigotry. He said he would get to work, he couldn't function just because he was from a particular part of this country and most of the people in that, and it was a financial institution, most of the people there were from a different part of the country, including most of the people on the board. So, Nothing he did was okay, just because it wasn't part of them. And he left the job. And when God will honor him, he gave him a better job, fantastic pay, just to prove, you know, that uh, um, if you are hated somewhere, it doesn't mean that that's the end of the world. The heart is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Yeah. What kind of company are you building? Yeah. Because you should ask me, what kind of church are you leading? And I will tell you that I'm leading the kind of church that can bring the kingdom of God to our nation. That's why you are comfortable here. That's why the fact that we have our diversity. That's why in this church, 
we don't come and sing from one part of the country and that's what we sing all through. And every other person is looking like, when you are done, <laughs> let me know. You see, because I, I told our worship leaders, when you come here and you sing an Igbo song or Yoruba song and you sing another one, sing another one, and you are enjoying yourself, you are alone. And, it, and you may not come on this stage again for a long time because I'm going to bench you. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is not a Yoruba church. Neither is it an Igbo church. Neither, you know, an Ibibio church or a Niger Delta church. This is a church of Christ. And in Christ Jesus, we have no tribe nor race. It's one tribe, one family under God. Are you still with me today? How I wish we operate our families from this standpoint. We have great marriages in this church that are working because they are based not on tribal sentiment but kingdom principles. Yeah, kingdom principles. A lot of our pastors have intertribal marriages. Yeah, the pastor of our Life Point Church, Pastor Edris Belosage, you know, is an Edo man married Ogochuku um, Belosage from Eastern Nigeria. Uh, pastor Samson Issa here is from Adamawa State, married uh, uh, Pastor Joy Issa from Edo State. Yeah, that's diversity. Marriage of close to 20 years, getting strong. Glory be to Jesus. I can go on and on and on. Yeah, I'm just using our leaders as example. And I can go on. So what breaks marriages is not tribe. It's lack of obedience to principles. Yeah, not tribe. Not tribal differences. Yeah. It's when we refuse to obey Kingdom principles that undergird marriage. Are you still with me today? Extremely important. Very, very important. Very important. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 10, when you read verse 34 and 35, the Bible said, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. No partiality. About tribe, you know. I wish... In the executive council of a state, we will see ourselves as equal. Notwithstanding which part of the state each person came from. I wish, when you look at our federal executive council, it's not going to be about, you know, where this minister is from, that minister is from, and that, you know, which project is going to hold. That's what is tearing our nation apart. What God is expecting from you and I is that we will start to practice the word in, on the issue of diversity, starting from our home, how our relationships start, and that a young man and a young woman, the, in their mind, as they pray for God to give them a future partner, they are not give, dictating to God that the person has to be uh, another Jebu man or Jebu woman. Uh, you know, that's what I want to marry. Or he has to be from a new East. If it's not from a new East, I'm not marrying. You understand what I'm That's what I'm talking about. Some people literally give God lists. Yet, you want to walk in the will of God. It doesn't work like that. If you want to walk in the will of God, the number one rule is called consecration. Consecration means, not my will, but your will be done. If your will is a white man, and I'm a black young lady, bring it on. If your will is a young lady, from the Al-Safulani tribe. And I'm a pandemic eating Yoruba man. Bring it on. I don't know if you understand. That's how to live a consecrated life. Not to be dictating to God. Glory be to Jesus. 
If we as Christians will live like this, many things will change in our nation. We will go on the board of a company and not look at tribe or religion or anything like that. Yeah. We will go to, you know, to different places, work on a team at work and not you know, think of where anybody is from. And we will look at things straight based on the word of God. When we model it as Christians, what happens is that everybody will follow suit. We have to be the light of the world indeed. That's what it means to be the light of the world. God is counting on us as his children to lead our generation and lead our generation well and model kingdom principles starting from our relationships from home and down to how we work in the office, how we do our businesses, the kind of businesses we are raising, the kind of teams we are raising at work. When we do that, Jesus will take the glory and our nation will not be the same again. If you are blessed this morning, put your hands together. Celebrate Jesus. Come on, somebody. Let's do it very well. Celebrate Jesus. Nigeria is changing right before our very eyes. Our country is rising again. If you believe that, put your hands together. Celebrate Jesus this morning. Celebrate Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you lift your two hands with me today? Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak a blessing over this congregation this morning. A blessing of divine preservation over every relationship that you have given us. We decree that through our own relationships, Nigeria will see a better way to run relationships. We speak a blessing over the businesses that you have given us. Give us the grace to build our businesses on kingdom principles that we engage diversity, celebrate diversity, and bring your kingdom to pass in the midst of our nation. We speak a blessing over Nigeria and we decree Nigeria you will survive this turbulence. We decree Nigeria you will prosper. Nigeria, you will see the glory of God. Nigeria, you will be celebrated in the Committee of Nations. Nigerians will prosper in every part of Nigeria. Nigerians will prosper in every part of the world. We receive your word to say that say, today that says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So as Nigerians, we step into all parts of the world with pride. Knowing that we have been sent by God. We possess our possession. We bring your kingdom to everywhere we go. Help us as your church to be the good model of the beauty in diversity. Let it start from individual families here. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. We thank you for the month of October. We step in today with your glory. And we step into favor, we step into all-round increase, trusting you to perfect all that concerns us. Let this year hand in strength for everyone. Let your name be glorified. We bless you, our Father. We give you glory and we give you praise. Still in the same attitude of prayers, can I ask that you bow down your head just for